Holy Spirit, ask that you would please uh, speak to us from that, how we can apply it to our lives, how it's relevant for us. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to start by doing a little quiz. I want to ask a question. Who or what has most influenced you in your life? We are all influenced by all kinds of different things, by the books we read, the classes we've taken, the, the people in our lives. So, but I just want to say, I'm just going to do a little poll here, ask you to raise your hands. How many of you would say, if you had to pick just one of those things, just narrow it down to one, how many of you would say the thing that has most influenced you in your life is a book, other than the Bible, one book that you have read? How many? Yeah, one or two. How many of you would say the thing that has most influenced you in your life has been a class that you took, maybe in college? Nobody, which is why I no longer am a professor. How many of you would say that what changed your life dramatically was either another person, maybe someone older who encouraged you, either that or your life was changed by the sermons you've heard? One of those two, how many? Yes, okay, now I'm in the right profession, right? It is our relationships that change us the most, right? And in the story that we read today, we see a certain kind of relationship that is becoming very rare in our culture. But it is one of the most life-giving relationships that you can have. And in the Bible, it is God's plan to help us grow and to give us joy. And that is intergenerational relationships, where older folks bless, mentor, and empower younger folks, and where younger folks bless, respect, and encourage older folks. Now, right now, you might be thinking, you know what? I come to church to hear things that are relevant to my life. An intergenerational relationship, man, I didn't wake up today just dying to hear a sermon on that. But I actually think it is very relevant to all of us for the simple reason that most of us have people in our lives who are older and who are younger. We have bosses, coworkers, parents, mentors, pastors who are older than we are. And we have younger people like our children, teen or adult children or grandchildren, nieces, nephews, co-workers who are younger than us. So they're on both sides of most of us. So learning how to do those relationships well is critical to having an abundant life. But more than that, these relationships are God's plan to give us joy and to help us grow and to help us develop in faith. And we're going to see that in the story that we read. In fact, I would say if you are discouraged, if you are worried, if you are fearful, if you are depressed, one of the best things you could do to bring yourself out of that is to find a mentor and to be a mentor. And you see it all throughout the Bible. Moses mentors Joshua, but Joshua in return encourages Moses and becomes the leader of his army. The apostle Paul mentors Timothy, and Timothy in return becomes a source of encouragement for Paul and extends his influence all over the place. Today is Palm Sunday, where we remember that Jesus rode into Jerusalem and the children started singing Hosanna and they started singing his praises, at which point the religious leaders, they said to Jesus, make these kids be quiet. And Jesus said, no way. That's a loose translation of what he actually said, but you know, no way. Haven't you read, haven't you heard from the lips of children, you, O Lord, have ordained praise. In other words, young and old have something to offer each other. It's God's plan for giving us joy. Now, truth be told, sometimes the generations don't always get along so well. Like, say, maybe, oh, in a family, I'm sure that never happens to anyone in this room, but sometimes, for instance, maybe parents do not feel respected or listened to by their teens or by their adult children. And the reverse is sometimes children feel their parents are always kind of meddling. Sometimes in the workplace, older workers get fearful that they're going to be replaced by younger, cheaper workers. 
And I think in our culture, you know, and you see younger workers sometimes wondering, gosh, am I ever going to get my turn? And they don't feel that their ideas are respected. In our culture, I think older people sometimes feel a, are made to feel like they are irrelevant dinosaurs in a very youth-focused culture. And a lot of young people are, don't feel respected by their elders or heard. Back in the 60s, there was a protester named Jerry Rubin who talked about what he called, quote, the generation gap. And one of his phrases, very famous phrase, he said, never trust anyone over 30. He was 29 when he said it. <laughs> Honest, he was 29, right? But he, and he points to something that is true. The generations often do not understand each other's experience. A couple of weeks ago, my seven-year-old daughter actually asked me, Daddy, did they have cars when you were a kid? And I said, no, that's why I had to walk 10 miles in the snow to get to my log cabin one-room schoolhouse on Little House on the Prairie, right? Generations do not always understand one another. But in the story we read today, I think it gives us some hints how we can encourage the older folks in our lives. So I want you to think of someone older in your life, parents, grandparents, mentor, pastor, someone like that, how we can encourage them as well as bless and empower younger folks. So think of someone younger in your life. A child, a niece, a nephew, maybe someone you volunteer to tutor or teach Sunday school to, a coworker. Now, the background for this story is what I preached about two weeks ago. The prophet Elijah is very discouraged because the queen of Israel wants to kill him. And so to get him out of his discouragement, one of the things God does is he says, go anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, to succeed you as prophet. In other words, God's saying, Elijah, one of the ways out of being discouraged is to form a friendship with this younger man named Elisha and to pass the baton of leadership to him. And in return, Elisha gets someone to mentor him. And the only hitch in the whole deal is that their names are so similar, right? Elijah, Elisha. It's been a problem for preachers ever since. I mean, like, why couldn't Elijah mentor someone named Fred? You know, Fred the prophet. That would have been easier. So from this story, let me start talking about how older people can bless and empower younger folks. So think of someone who's younger. And then I'll talk about how younger folks can bless and empower people who are older than they are. So first, older folks, what can we give? Our blessing and empowerment to younger people. Let me talk about what that means. In this story, it says that as soon as Elijah finds Elisha, he threw his cloak around him. Now what that meant was the cloak symbolized Elijah's role as prophet. And by throwing it around Elisha, he is saying to Elisha, I believe in you. I think you can do this. I see something in you. Here, you take the baton, you run, it's your turn, and I will encourage you. And if you want to breathe life into someone younger than you, a child, a niece, a nephew, a coworker, here, here are three things that you can say to them repeatedly. First, I believe in you. Second, you take this project, this team, this thing, and you lead it, your turn to go, and then give your employee or your child something significant to do. And then third, you are good at, and then fill in the blank. Every younger person wants to hear those three things from an older person. And then not just hear it, but then have that older person stick in their life and walk alongside them and encourage them and teach them and train them and mentor them. And this is key because sometimes in our culture, older folks get fearful that they're going to be shoved aside by the younger generation. But biblically speaking, older folks always have a role in blessing and empowering the next generation. From here on out, Elijah and Elisha spent 18 years together doing ministry. 18 years. Elijah is hardly shoved to the margins. But his role changes from doing it all, being the only prophet, to training a new one. And the way you train that, three phases to training. Three phases to passing the baton. Elisha, I'll do it and you watch. Then let's do it together. And finally, Elisha, you do it and I'll encourage you. 
And most younger people are dying for this. You know, the stereotype is younger people don't want to hang out with older people. I don't think that is universally true. Do you know the, the, the most frequent request I get from younger people in this church? Could you find someone to mentor me? And it brings so much joy to be the person that puts your hand on the shoulder of a younger person and says, I believe in you, you've got it, and then watch that person just stand a little taller and say back to you, thank you, I need you in my life. It is, it is one of the best things in life to have that. Second way we can ex- uh, empower younger folks is to share our experience and our life with them. And the best way to do that is to listen to what they're saying and then wait to be asked for your advice. Did I say wait to be asked for your advice? Parents of adult children, did I say wait to be asked for your advice? And then tell stories. Don't drop little pearls of wisdom. Just tell stories that may help them. There's an older man in this church who mentors a lot of younger guys here, mostly leaders. I'm one of his mentees. He's been CEO of a, of a couple of different companies and just knows a ton of stuff. But he is so effective because he listens and then he will just say, you know what, there was a time when I... And then he tells a story and then he says, you know what, if that doesn't help you, just ignore it. But he offers it so humbly that it's really easy to learn from him. And that's what mentoring is. It's just doing life together, sharing life together. When I did college ministry, I would sometimes have people come up to me and say, you know what, I've been very successful, and I've got a thing or two I'd like to teach those college students of yours, and I've got a lot of experience. And I'd say, well, they don't need any of that. And let's be honest, because sometimes experience is just a synonym for baggage. But would you be willing to take them to a baseball game? Would you be willing to show them how to change the oil in their car? And as you do that, ask some questions and maybe tell some stories from your life that might help them. That's how Jesus did it. Right? Spent all his time, three years, with 12 disciples, and most of that was walking back and forth between different towns. But along the way, there were these teachable moments when someone, you know, they'd come across a blind man or someone would ask a question, and Jesus would use those moments to show them what God was doing in their lives. Share life, share experience. And then the third thing we can offer the younger people in our lives is our mistakes so that other people can learn from them. Someone sent me a story this week about an efficiency expert who was giving a lecture in an office about how to be more efficient at work. But he ended it by saying that the key here is you just don't try any of these techniques at home. And so someone said, well, why not? And he said, well, I watched how my wife made breakfast one day and how she made lots of trips back and forth, but she only carried one thing each time. So I said to her, why don't you carry several things at once? The guy said, well, did it save time? And the expert said, yeah, it it used to take her 20 minutes to make breakfast. Now I do it in seven. Think about it. Okay, the other service thought that was hilarious. (laughs) You can learn a lot from other people's mistakes when we share them with people who are younger. Plus, I don't know about you, but when someone shares their mistake with me, it makes me feel like I'm not the only one who's messing up. Bless and empower, share our lives and our experience, share our mistakes. Three ways to make people younger in your life feel great. Now, how about the reverse? How can the younger folks How can we, who are young, who have older people in our lives, how can we bless and encourage and empower them? Even if you're 60 and you've got an 80-year-old in your life, what can younger people do for older people? Three things. The first is this. Share your energy and your passion. As this story goes on, it says that after he meets Elisha, Elisha took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, and burned the plowing equipment. Okay, what's going on here is Elisha is saying, you know what? I am so excited to be a prophet. 
I am so excited to follow God. I'm going to leave my past life behind. I'm going to burn all my bridges. I'm not going to hedge my bets. I am all in. That's a lot of energy. And it's a huge sacrifice because the story tells us he had 24 oxen. And what that meant back back then was you were a very wealthy family to have that many oxen. So it's a huge sacrifice. But here, Elisha has all this passion, all this energy to go follow God. And that renews Elijah's passion when he is in a time of discouragement. And then it says that Elisha cooked the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. In other words, he throws a big old party, you know, a becoming a prophet party. Because he's just so excited. He's got all this energy. He's got all this passion. Younger folks bring that. And that's what's great about younger people. You know, it's like they're excited to take the hill and then the hill after that and the hill after that. And when you just feel over the hill, they're excited to take that hill, right? And whenever I'm around younger folks, I start to feel all this new energy and new passion. You know, yeah, let's take the hill. Ow, my back. Let's take the hill, right? (laughs) There's a man in this church named Norm who's 78, and he decided that he wanted to be in more intentional mentoring relationships. So he volunteered to help out at his grandson's scout troop, Boy Scout troop. And he's kind of his grandpa-in-chief is how he describes it. And he's been able to be a mentor to the scoutmaster who is in his 40s. And he says, you know, we just feed off of each other. And he gives me energy and new ideas. And we have fun implementing them together. And Norm's been able to use his 78 years of leadership experience to help the scoutmaster become a better leader. He was able to pray for and counsel one of the young dads whose marriage was in trouble, as well as pray for an 11-year-old boy who was away from home for the first time in his life. And Norm said, it's just been a ton of fun. He said one of the high points for him was uh, last summer at camp, they had an adult belly flop contest. And Norm said, I placed second in a field of corpulent competitors. (laughs) I love the alliteration, corpulent competitors. He said he entered it because his grandson just kept bugging him. He said, come on, granddad, do it, do it. I mean, all you ever do is belly flops anyway. You're the master at it. So in fact, here is Norm in his prize-winning flop. That looks like a happy 78-year-old man, don't you think? I mean, Norm says, I'm experiencing joy and new energy as I see young men grow in response to my affirmation and my encouragement. I'm getting to pass on leadership skills. I'm learning new leadership skills from these younger guys, not to mention belly flop bragging rights for a 78-year-old grandpa. Norm is 78 years young because he has intentionally put younger people in his life. Do you have younger people in your life? Plenty of opportunities at work, here in this church, in your neighborhood. They give us energy. Second thing younger folks can give to those of us who are older is vision. Elisha has a very different kind of ministry than Elijah did. And you see it in their names. The, word, the name Elijah means the Lord is God. Elisha means the Lord saves. And that defines their style. Elijah was very confrontational. Elisha was very caring. Because there was a new day, a new season, and a new kind of ministry was required. Often younger people can see things older people can't because they're not, they're not, they don't have all these memories from the past. They're just looking ahead. Back in 2001, Bill Gates was asked in an interview what his biggest business concern was. You know, was it the government antitrust stuff? What was it? And he said, no. It's that someday some kid in a garage in Palo Alto is going to come up with an idea that I've never had. And right about that time, literally two 20-somethings named Larry Page and Sergey Brin were literally in a garage in Palo Alto coming up with an idea called Google that turned out to be a pretty good one. Just like Gates and Steve Jobs, a generation before, saw things in their 20s that nobody else saw. Just ask IBM. Oh, who's going to want computers in their home anyway? Oops. 
Younger folks help us see things we sometimes can't. And then the third thing you can give to someone older in your life is respect and gratitude. The text here ends by saying that Elisha set out to follow Elijah and became his assistant. A better word would be apprentice. That is, Elisha is teachable, and he respects Elijah's experience. If you're younger and you want to bless and encourage an older people, here are three things to say to them. Tell me your experience. What is your advice for me? And then listen to it. And then third, thank you. You have made a difference in my life because, and then fill in the blank. When I hear younger people say that to me, it is a shot in the arm. I don't feel old and irrelevant. I feel needed, valued, wanted. So who is younger in your life that you can do that for? And if you don't have someone, find someone. Plenty of opportunities. A long time ago, I told you part of a story that happened to me, and now I want to tell you kind of the rest of that story, the last half of that story. And it was when I was doing college ministry in California, and the church I was at hired a much younger man to do post-college ministry for young adults. I was 40 at the time and starting to feel a little old to be doing college ministry. And in our first meeting, the first time I met with this other much younger man, it did not go so well. One of the things he said to me was he said, Scott, now that I'm here, I don't think the church needs you anymore or your ministry. Which just kind of confirmed all of my fears, right? Like I am being shoved aside because I'm too old. And I said, well, you know, I, I think I still have a role. And he shook his head and he said, Scott, you don't get it. My generation wants church to be authentic and relevant. So I snapped back, well, can you tell me the generation that wanted it phony and irrelevant? Because it wasn't mine and it wasn't the generation before mine. Shockingly, that was the high point of the conversation. (laughs) It just went downhill from there and got worse. And then as the months went on, things even got worse because people in my college group started to go to his group, right? His young adults group. And they'd come back and they'd tell me how cool he was and what a good preacher he was and how young he was and how young he was. And I'd say things like, well, praise the Lord. (laughs) And I resented him. And secretly, all I wanted was that he would fail. But that didn't seem very mature, right? Like, who's the young one here? So I kind of started to pray for him and pray for his success. And as I did that, the Holy Spirit started to convict me that as the older person, I was called to bless and empower him, not resent him. So I went to his young adult worship service one night kind of to hear him preach. And halfway through that service, I kind of felt God say to me, you know what, Scott, I am not done with you. I still have a role for you, which kind of gave me the sense of security. And then I noticed something about my rival. He was a good preacher. He was a really good preacher, really good. So after the service, I walked up to him and I said, I just want to tell you, the Spirit of God is on you, and you are called, gifted, you are an anointed leader, and you are an anointed preacher. You've got it. And then I invited him to come and speak at my college group, which he did, knocked it out of the park, and I just kept telling him, man, you've got it. Then I started talking to him about merging our groups, his original suggestion, and I could maybe go do something else in the church, and I was talking to my bosses about that. But then he shifted his position. He said, you know what? I've been thinking about that. And he said, you know what? College is a very specific time in life, and you've taught at universities. I haven't. I think we need you and your ministry, Scott. And then he said, besides, I'm drowning here. I don't know how to handle the pressure. I don't know how to deal with all the stress. I don't want to be one of those burnout cases. So then he looked at me and he said, Scott, would you mentor me? So I said, on one condition, that you promise that you will teach me everything you know about how to do church in the 21st century. 
So we just started hanging out, getting coffee together, praying for each other, sharing our lives, and I had a blast. I learned a ton. I felt needed. I felt my experience counted for something. I had the joy of breathing life into a younger man, and he was in turn saying to me, I need you, thank you. And he taught me all kinds of things about how to do ministry in a postmodern world. He updated me, and I think he got something out of it too. So how are you doing, generationally speaking, older and younger? Are there people in your life who are older than you, if not in years, at least in faith, who bless and empower you? And if you don't have those, ask God to show you who that person might be. And if you do have someone like that, thank them today. And who are the younger people in your life? A neighbor, a child, a coworker, someone you tutor or teach Sunday school to that you can bless and empower. And if you don't have someone like that that's younger, find them. They're all around and they're dying. They're dying for the blessing of their elders. And it gives life to everybody when that happens. The cure for Elijah's discouragement was a younger man named Elisha. And Elijah was the encouragement Elisha needed to go and do great things. Elisha went on to do miracles. Kings consulted him. But I bet until the day that he was a very old man, I bet Elisha remembered when he was just another rich kid with a whole lot of oxen when an older man came up to him, put his hand on his shoulder and said, I see something in you. I believe in you. And the two of them set off together on an adventure that changed their lives and that changed the world around them. And what if we did that for each other? How would that transform our families, our offices, our neighborhoods if older and younger started blessing each other? And what if we were that kind of church? So that in a culture where older folks sometimes feel shoved aside and younger folks don't feel like they're respected, what if we were a church that was known not just for serving the community, which we are, but also for being a place where each generation blesses and encourages and empowers the other? Man, that doesn't happen anywhere in our world. What if it happened here? What if we were that kind of church? I would bet we would see younger folks flock into this church because they are dying for the blessing of their elders, and I bet all kinds of older people would come here too because they would feel needed, respected, and wanted. The passion and vision of the young combined with the experience, blessing, and empowerment of the old, that is a winning combination. It's a winning combination, and it can change your family, it can change your office, your church, your world, and your life forever. It is one of the best things in life because God meant it to be. So, Lord, you put us in generations for a reason. So today, call to mind those who are older and those who are younger in our lives and show us how we can bless, encourage, and empower them so that we can be the kind of community that you have called us to be. Jesus, show us and we will follow. We ask this in your name, Lord. Amen.